Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks, a podcast brought to you by The Dip. We are going to get into all the things in pop culture and reality TV with our pop three. Those are the biggest headlines of the week. We're going to do a big deep dive on Megan King marrying into the Biden family. And even if you are not a avid Real Housewives of Orange County watcher, Megan's story is... Woo, one for the book. So you're going to want to stick around uh, for that. And of course, we had a lot of Bachelor news break late in the week. So I'm going to give you the cliff notes because a lot of Bachelor in Paradise people went on podcasts this week. And if you don't want to spend three and a half hours re-listening to that, figuring out what they had to say, I got the cliff notes for you and we will be good to go. It's good to be back from my vacation. I'm just kidding. It's honestly not. The first week back from vacation is always so rough, right? I mean, especially when you live in Ohio and you went someplace like Florida where it was nice and sunny and you were by the ocean and you had a pool in your backyard. I did a lot of good fun things on vacation. I went fishing. I haven't done that in about 15 years and I caught the biggest fish. So, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and toot my own horn with that one. It's just really nice to spend time with your family after, you know, two years of absolute chaos, Um, especially David, you know, my British South African lovely boyfriend who has been here now for two weeks, the first time since January of 2020. It's been a long time since he has been able to spend quality time with me and my family. So to have all of us in one place was really great. Um, David and I are getting into a new phase in our relationship, if you will. We're crossing new boundaries. I shaved his back while we were on vacation. And it was actually very like therapeutic for me. It was fun. I might be considering doing like a weekly schedule of that because it was so satisfying. And I'm like, never did I ever think that I would be shaving my boyfriend's back, but here I am doing it. He bought me tampons. Oh yeah. You know, that's always like a true test of a relationship. And I knew what I was doing when we came back. I was like, hun, 
will you go to Target and get me some tampons? It was totally a test. I was totally testing him. And he was like, reluctantly said, yeah. First of all, if your boyfriend says no, dump him right away because they obviously should. And I'm like, just wanted to see how he would handle that situation. I sent him a photo. I said, this is what you need to look for. He was willing and able to do it. He came back. He was so excited. He was so excited that he did it. He got it right. He like lifted the box up, kind of like Mufasa lifted Simba up when he was on Pride Rock when he was just baby Simba. That's like what David was doing with my tampon box. And he got the wrong ones. He was so disappointed. I was like, David, I sent you instructions. I sent you a photo. I sent you a detailed list and you still got the wrong ones. But you know how I know David is the one? He marched his happy behind right back to Target took the wrong ones, swapped them out for the right ones. And you know he had to do that swap in front of a real life person. So imagine how embarrassing that was for him. And he came home and all is well. Anyways, I know you're not here to necessarily learn about that, but we will get into what you're really here for. The pop three, the biggest three trending headlines of the week. Let's start with Kim Kardashian because she absolutely slayed on Saturday Night Live. This past weekend, number one is having her moment. I might need to explain to some of our newbies why I refer to her as number one and Chloe as number two. Because in this era of my life and our life, in this realm of pop culture that we're living in, Courtney is the Kardashian. And let's just be real, she's never been the Kardashian, you know? So I'm letting Courtney have her moment. And Courtney's sisters, I just refer to them as number one and number two for the time being. So Kim, number one, she took no prisoners in her opening monologue specifically. She roasted Kanye, her sisters, her mom, Caitlyn. I will say, she did make jokes about OJ. And... I didn't love that. And you know, I'm not I'm not trying to be a Karen. Like I'm not going to use my energy to you know, go on the internet and be like, "Ugh, I cannot believe that the writers of Saturday Night Live joked about O.J. Simpson." You knew they would. But what I found really intriguing, I guess, is that Chris Jenner was there. And Nicole was Chris's best friend. That's where it seems like it's like a little insensitive. Can you imagine how Chris felt in that moment when her daughter is on Saturday Night Live making jokes about her best friend, like, you know, potentially being killed by OJ Simpson? I just thought that that was maybe the one like constructive criticism that I have. But, you know, Saturday Night Live, they like to push the the boundaries. Something I don't understand Kim's getting a lot of mixed reviews. Obviously, the stands love it. The haters will always hate it. But why does everyone on the internet think Kim was supposed to write the material that they used? I was posting TikToks and Instagrams saying, like, how I thought Kim did a great job. She was really funny. People were like, you know she didn't write it. Uh, No, duh, she didn't write it. No celebrity host ever writes the material. Do you think the president writes his own speeches? No. I mean, half the time, I feel like Kim doesn't even write the things she says. Chris does. Everything has to be approved. They gave her material. She executed it on live national television and was funny while doing it. So props to Kim. My favorite, obviously, Kim as the Bachelorette was amazing. We saw Tyler Cameron make a cameo. 
Tyler Cameron is living the absolute best life. He was on one season of The Bachelorette, never did, never was Bachelor, never was on Paradise, and he's arguably the most famous. He was on Saturday Night Live. He dated Gigi Hadid, and all he had to do was show up on one season. Unbelievable. He met Kim Kardashian. Chase Crawford was there. Nate Archibald from Gossip Girl. And it's amazing how hot he still is. He still is so hot. Jesse Williams, John Cena, Chris Rock, Blake Griffin. It was amazing. I loved it. I also loved the People's Court. Clearly, you know, I am the biggest Courtney stan at the moment. Um, Kim dressed up as Judge Courtney Kardashian. And I keep I find myself like saying things from that sketch throughout the week. Like my favorite is order, order, order in the Courtney. Like I'll walk around the house and just say order in the Courtney. And I have no idea why. That's how you know that Kim did a good job. Obviously, that sketch made a huge deal about Courtney and Travis's relationship. Scott also there in the audience. I wonder how he felt about that. Probably very awkward. Kanye was there for the opening monologue, but left. This is, it's unclear to me if he left in the middle of the monologue or directly after the monologue. But why, like, why leave in the middle? Sometimes I feel like, you know, when Kanye wants to be incognito or discreet, he does things that do the opposite of that. You know, it's like if you would have just stayed and watched the whole thing, people be like, oh, cool, you stayed and supported, you know, the wife or ex-wife, I guess, the mother of his four children is what I meant to say. But no, going to get up and leave right after the monologue. Multiple reports on whether there was anything like romantic going on. Some people said on page six that they were like making eyes at each other. You know, another report said he left in the middle of the monologue. So who knows? But Kim crushed it. I haven't watched Saturday Night Live in like a million years. And that got me too. So hopefully it got good ratings. Uh, for them. Let's move on to headline number two. Speaking of page six, this exclusive article came out about uh, Bravo producers being subpoenaed for unaired footage of Erica Jane and Tom Girardi. So pretty much, you know, really law for dummies. And trust me, I'm not a lawyer. But when when you're being subpoenaed, it pretty much means you have to show up to court or turn something over to the court. So in this case, it's unaired unaired footage of Erica on the show. So by now we're one episode into the four-part reunion where we're supposedly going to learn a lot about Erica. She's going to answer all the questions. Uh, Andy Cohen, we see him tell Erica Jane that he knows how much she makes on the show. And now her salary has actually been exposed by the New York Times. So according to them, Erica Jane made $600,000 for season 11. But she's broke, right? Uh, She joined the franchise in 2015 and – Housewives reportedly earn raises if the network renews their contract each season. So according to page six, Bravo has reportedly been subpoenaed for unaired footage of Jane on the show, accusing Andy Cohen and Bravo of protecting and paying Jane amid her legal troubles. Attorney Jay Edelson, who previously worked with Tom Girardi. Talk about a table turn with that one. Uh, This is a quote from the page six article from Jay Edelson. He said, we're very confident that Bravo has information that will be helpful in our efforts to recover client money stolen by Tom Girardi. This includes unaired footage of Erica and Tom, and it includes documentary evidence, including contracts Erica entered into to be on The Real Housewives, 
and email and text correspondence with with the Bravo team. We're hopeful that Bravo chooses a path of cooperation instead of using this tragedy to increase ratings and make a fortune for itself. Damn! Isn't this what Sutton was afraid of? So it's like, really, Erica? Are you going to be that mad that Sutton is worried that something could eventually come of this? I mean, if they're looking at old footage of Erica... Who's to say that they wouldn't look at old footage of Erica's interaction with any other housewife? Edelson also isn't having any of Erica's sob story, especially now since we know she's making $600,000 on this season of Beverly Hills. He said in a different statement to Fox News, the victims have had to endure watching the Real Housewives cast do things like eat caviar pie and drink specially made vodka served by white glove staff as they pay lip service to the lives Tom has ruined. The victims have watched Erica cry crocodile tears as she is forced to move into a $10,000 a month apartment while she and her glam squad parade around in a lifestyle few of us will ever know. Damn! This guy is not having it, and we're here for it. So obviously, we have to show both sides of the corn here. Corn. Both sides of the corn. That's how you know I live in Ohio. Both sides of the coin. Uh, Erica Jane's attorney, Evan C. Borges, told Page Six in a statement that the subpoena is another desperation move and pile on directed at Erica. There is no hidden treasure, which we have supported by providing counsel for the bankruptcy trustee with all relevant bank account and financial information in Erica's possession. And scene. Speaking of legal issues, let's move on to our third biggest headline of the week in our pop three. Jamie Lynn Spears is releasing a memoir. This is the first time that I've talked about the Spears family and the Free Britney movement on the pod. So I'm excited to get my thoughts out here. So Jamie announced that she's releasing a book called Things I Should Have Said. It gives an intimate look into her personal struggles as a child actress, teen mother, and public figure. The most interesting thing straight off the bat is that Things I Should Have Said was not always the title. The working title had previously been I Must Confess. You know, I must confess. Her sister song. A line from the chorus of Baby One More Time. As you can probably imagine, that received just a little bit of backlash. So she changed it since it's such a sensitive time for the whole Spears family, considering all that's going on in the Free Britney movement. Why would she think that this is a good idea right now? You know, I feel like, does anyone deserve to be getting death threats? No, I'm not that kind of person. I don't want you to harass these people on the internet and have them fear for their lives and their safety. However, you cannot complain about the attention that you're getting, good or bad, when you decide to do things like release a book in the middle of the Free Britney movement. What do you expect people are going to do and or say? And you still choose to do it. It took less than a day for Britney to seemingly respond on Instagram. I mean, we know nothing is ever really black and white on the gram for Britney. Uh, She posted... P.S. Also great news. I'm thinking of releasing a book next year, but I'm having issues coming up with a title, so maybe my fans could help. Option number one, 
She said, shit, I really don't know. Sorry, mom, for cussing. My mom listens to this podcast and she would not approve of me saying this. I'm reading the caption, okay? My mom is very old school. Option number two. I really care what other people think. What do you guys think? I know it's shade, but I can't really figure out how it's shade. I'm thinking option number two, I really care what other people think. Maybe she's saying that Jamie Lynn cares too much about what other people think and why is she releasing a book? Maybe if I'm trying to discover the Morse code or whatever the heck it is. Anytime I post something about Brittany on my social media, I get the same type of responses questioning her mental health, which obviously is something that we as outsiders should not have the privilege of knowing unless she herself makes it public. Like that's a private matter. I don't think that we need to speculate on that, but obviously her posts sometimes warrant that type of reaction from some people. But the bottom line and what I always say is we don't know what's going on with Brittany when it comes to even her day-to-day life, her mental health, you know, the things that she goes through behind closed doors. I hope that she has someone in her corner when it comes to that. But if she's well enough to perform for years tour after tour, residency after residency, and make millions of dollars that other people then take from her, she is well enough to be making her own life decisions. Okay, dropping the mic. I cannot do that because this mic is expensive. All right, that is your pop three into the biggest headlines of the week. We're going to take a little break and we will be right back with our deep dive. Everyone is howling about Paws of Fury. It's the most fun comedy of the summer. I am your father. What? No, I'm not. <laughs> Michael Sarah. It's showtime. And Samuel L. Jackson. What the mother father kind of spaniel's going on here? Paws of Fury. Only in theaters this Friday. Rated PG. So now it's time for the deep dive portion of the podcast. Every single week on my Instagram at Morgan P. Talks, I take submissions for something you guys want me to dig a little deeper into. Maybe you don't know a lot about it. For the people, by the people, I like to say. So this week's deep dive question was submitted by Marissa. Hi, Morgan. This is Marissa from Mesquite, Nevada. I need you to do a deep dive on Megan King marrying Joe Biden's nephew. Didn't she just meet this guy? And what did you think of Jim Edmonds' reaction? Thank you, Marissa. I mean, wow, really? What a shocker this was to all of us. Let me just start off by saying, even if you don't know who Megan King is, even if you don't watch The Real Housewives of Orange County, this story is a wild ride. It is full of scandal and allegations and cheating and lies and it's just all the things that we love to talk about on Morgan's Pop Talks. So like I said, even if you're not a diehard Housewives addict, this is definitely going to get you interested. So first, I think it's important to kind of reintroduce Megan King because she hasn't been on our TVs in quite some time. When we first met Megan, it was on season 10 of The Real Housewives of Orange County. An iconic member of Orange County history uh, because it really was Megan who started digging into Vicki Gunvalson's then-boyfriend, Brooks Ayers, cancer diagnosis because... 
you know, there were a lot of signs pointing to the fact that Brooks did not have cancer. Brooks was kind of like, not kind of, I want to say Brooks is the biggest villain of Housewives history. I mean, at least one of them. Definitely up there in the worst house husbands. I think he's pretty bad. I think Michael Darby is up there. Uh, Just not necessarily, guys, that you would want to be with. But anyways, let's get back to Brooks. Very long story short, uh, we never knew for sure if Brooks had cancer. And it was Megan's digging that kind of blew the cover off that massive lie that took over season 10 completely. Uh, Megan kind of noticed that he wasn't doing any cancer treatment. There was no real medical records. And Megan actually reached out to one of Brooks's exes to see, like, what is the deal with this dude? Does he really have cancer? Is he this huge, you know, scam con artist that that Vicky is just not seeing? And Vicky, was like fiercely defending him although she you know even later on admitted to somewhat covering things up for him I remember in the reunion I actually have went back and watched a couple of the episodes where this all started going down um and I just missed that era of the Real Housewives of Orange County it was so unbelievable you got if you haven't watched it start with season 10 because it's amazing but even Vicky like admitted at the reunion, you know, that there were things that she covered up for Brooks because she didn't know all the information. I mean, she still kind of to this day says that she didn't know straight up that he was lying, but she she just felt like something was off. Um, but really, I mean, Megan was the one who did all the digging. And at that time when she came on the scene, she was also married to Jim Edmonds, Um whose first wife and this is really confusing I'm just gonna be real because they all are on their like second third fourth marriages so to keep all of their relationships straight is kind of tough Megan was Jim's third wife okay but Jim's first wife was also going through cancer at the same time on season 10 now Jim's first wife wife was not on the show at all but they referred to her a lot and that's why Megan's like you know I have this deep personal connection because Jim's first wife who we're still in contact with we're still close with is essentially dying from cancer and she actually did pass away in 2015 and she's like how is Brooks not wanting to treat this disease you know go at it full force like do chemo he's she's like he's doing nothing he is he just okay with with dying from this stage three cancer that he says that he has um eat and I I went back and dug all this stuff up because of course you know with with rumors and did he did he not you have to make sure that you check all the boxes because lawyers I don't know if they are listening but maybe they are E! News, I found this on E! News, exclusively confirmed that Ayers lied about his cancer treatment and was never treated at City of Hope. So we could we could run down that rabbit hole all day long. I'm not going to do that. There's tons of stuff on Brooks and Vicky. If you want to go look it up, please <laughs> be my guest. Uh, but but that's, that's kind of where Megan made her mark on the show, I guess. Um, but that's not only what Megan is known for. You know, her marriage to Jim was very contentious. 
Uh, Jim was a former professional baseball center fielder and a broadcaster for Bally Sports Midwest. No, I did not know that. I definitely had to Wikipedia it. And I do know that just about anybody can make edits on Wikipedia. So let's just hope that that's the truth. I do know that he played baseball. Jim was married twice before Megan, like I said before. Uh, We've discussed his first wife, Leanne, but he married his second wife, Allison Jane Raskin, in 2008, and then they got divorced in 2014. Enter Megan King, because the two of them also got married in 2014, a couple months after this divorce was finalized, which some people are like, hmm, that timeline is a bit suspicious. Take that as you will. They welcomed three kids in a matter of two years, which is a lot. They um, had their first child and then they had twins. So let's just be real. Jim was kind of a dick on the show. Like nobody really loved Jim all that much, but it wasn't until after Megan exited the show that it really went downhill. Uh, Megan left after three seasons to spend time with her family because things were kind of going south and things like went from zero to 100 real quick when it comes to her marriage to Jim. So this is all public info, like I said, because of lawyers and stuff. Uh, The timeline I got from us weekly in june of 2019 jim was accused of having an affair megan apparently found like sexting messages which i hate it i i've never even done it because it's so odd to me i'm not like sexting shaming anybody but i'm just like so uncomfortable with the idea especially you know if you're married to somebody you probably shouldn't be um sexting somebody else i don't know just a pro tip but the worst part about it is this all happened when Megan was pregnant with twins. The original Tristan Thompson, if you will. Allegedly, Jim even sent a risque video on the same day that Megan gave birth to their twins. Ugh, just the lowest of the low. Could you imagine? And apparently Megan found it. You know, timestamp and all like, oh, honey, what were you doing in the bathroom while I was pushing out our two twin babies? And just the video is not what you would think Jim was doing in the bathroom while Megan was pushing out their two twin babies. So after the news broke, Jim told us weekly, and this is a quote, regrettably, I had a lapse in judgment. I engaged in an inappropriate conversation with this person. At no time was there any type of relationship or physical contact. Absolutely none. This is someone trying to profit from my name. I am aware she has done this to others in the past. Megan was like, no, get a freaking grip. That It's not just a lapse in judgment. You know, it, it went deeper than that. However, they did decide to try to work things out. That didn't happen. The two ended up divorcing. Jim filed for divorce in October of 2019 after Megan accused him of having yet another affair with their nanny. Both Jim and the nanny denied the affair. I know it's a lot to process, but hang on, hang on with me. We will keep on keeping on. It's just a, a volatile relationship. Multiple police calls to the house. You know, just two people who truly were not meant to be together. Megan was also married more than once. So she, her first husband's name is Brad McDills. They were married from 2007 to 2011. He was a lawyer. Then she went on to marry Jim. So she went from a lawyer to a baseball player 
And this past weekend, she married Joe Biden's nephew, Cuff Biden Owens. I don't know if Cuff is how you say his name. It's C-U-F-F-E. Cuff? Cuff? I don't know. I personally don't know any Cuffs. If you're a Cuff and you're listening right now, please leave a review. Shameless plug. Mostly so I can learn how to say your name if you want to give me a little play-by-play. Okay, so anyways, according to a report from People, Cuff is an attorney based out of Los Angeles and his mother, Valerie Owens, is President Joe Biden's sister. They got married at Cuff's parents' home in Pennsylvania. The President of the United States and Jill Biden were both in attendance. I, like, uh, clearly, I do not get into politics that much. Of course, I have my own ideas and whatever, and I vote. I use that American right of mine, but I'm not going to talk about it on Morgan's Pop Talks. But I feel like any time that you could say the President of the United States was at my wedding, that's a flex. So good on ya, Megan King. This shocked everybody. Should it though? Should it though? I think it surprised people more who she married than the fact that she was married again. And also the timeline is pretty fascinating. All clues lead to them knowing each other for about three weeks total. And that's not an exaggeration. So Megan did this interview with brides, and that's where we first saw the photo of them on their wedding day. Megan's wearing this. It's very Meghan Markle-esque what she's wearing. She's got this white blazer dress. She's got this veil uh, over her face. It kind of reminded me of Meredith Marks' uh, mask circa season one of Salt Lake City, if you know, you know. Megan did this interview with brides, and she kind of gave the story of how they met. She said that we connected on a dating app, texted for a day or two, then spent five straight hours on the phone the first time we spoke. By the time the call ended, Cuff, Coof, I don't know, was booked and packed for a flight to St. Louis that took off in about eight hours. Within a week, we were back on the East Coast meeting his family and starting to plan our future together. We didn't leave each other's side for weeks. When she says weeks, she means three weeks. Because that's how long they knew each other. She just posted about them being officially together, Instagram official, if you will, on September 25th, a little around two weeks ago. And according to a post on Bravo and Cocktails, now grain of salt, you got to consider the source as always because Bravo and Cocktails is like a, like a rumor mill, you know what I'm saying? Nothing's ever really verified. Uh, But there was like a a anonymous tip, XOXO, you know you love me, saying, Koof's dad was telling everyone at the country club that they've only been together for three weeks. There was also another tidbit of information that was very similar. So, you know, that coupled with the fact that nobody knew who this guy was, well, I mean, people knew who this guy was. He's the president's um, nephew. I mean, us Bravo lovers had no idea who this guy was until two weeks ago when Megan said, hey, here's my you know, boyfriend, were they engaged at that point already? Nobody really knows. And Megan was casually dating other guys at the beginning of the year. So long story short, this all happened very, very quickly. And let's just say if anyone could marry into a political family that has once upon a time been on Bravo, it's Megan King. She'd be like, Babe, look at all this stuff that I've uncovered on reality TV. Do you think I'm ready to take my talents 
to the CIA, maybe the FBI. I mean, look at what I could do for the people of America. What's particularly interesting about this all, if it's not already interesting enough, is that Megan's ex, Jim, Jimmy, Jimbo, also walking down the aisle soon to his fiance, new fiance, Courtney O'Connor, wife number four for Jimbo. And they didn't all they didn't get engaged too long either. So was this a race to the altar? Perhaps I just don't recommend marrying someone after three weeks. Now, I've never been married, so I feel like maybe don't take marriage advice from me in particular. But it just kind of seems like erratic behavior. And I, I know the phrase like, when you know, you know. But there's kids involved. There's logistics. It takes more than just love to make a relationship work. And three weeks is not enough time for two people to figure that out. Like they clearly live in two different places. She has three children. I'm not sure his his children's situation. But I'm a firm believer and you have to see people through like seasons of change in their life because how someone's acting when they're like on the mountaintop is not how they're going to act when they're in the valley. And it's like, you don't know. Have you ever seen this guy mad in three weeks? Like with your puppy love, you don't know what anybody is capable of really. So just, um, you know, zero out of seven recommend that you would get married in three weeks. I want to discuss Marissa's question about Jim Edmonds reaction I guess you could say to this and this is all speculation as well but there was this Instagram post this weekend of Jim and his daughter Haley with the two of them their backs are to the camera they're both wearing the same shirt that says anti-Biden social club the caption says your opinion question mark we don't care thanks at Brittany Aldean for the inspo I don't know why she's tagging Brittany Aldean not up on the country music scene so y'all can figure that out um, can I just say we won't ever get political around here, like I said before, but anyone who buys like a political T-shirt on either aisle, not my kind of people, you know, I'm getting shirts that say Kevin Jonas for when I sit in the front row at the Jonas Brothers concert. I will never buy a political T-shirt in any way, shape or form. And I'm sorry if you're listening and you do, just don't, okay? Just don't. To me, it seems like this post knew that made it seem like they knew it was going to happen. And it was not on Jim's social media. It was actually on his daughter, Haley. His daughter, Haley, is 23 years old. So I don't know if, if it was just a coincidence or if they really were trying to troll. This all happened within like a day of each other. I find that very odd that they wouldn't know. Surely, Megan, surely she would have to tell the father of her children that she was getting married. So I take it back. It wasn't a coincidence. And I just feel like I could see the scene now. You know, they're like, oh, she's about to get married to a Biden. Ha, ha, ha. Can you imagine? Oh, this is so funny. Let's post these photos on the internet. They probably laughed it up. But the truth of the matter is, if you're sending weird nudie videos to another woman while your wife is giving birth to twins, you are the joke, Jim Edmonds. So nothing but love and light to Megan 
King Owens. And I hope the third time is the charm for her. All right, you guys, that is our deep dive. Everything you need to know about Megan King Owens, who has just married into the Biden family, all the drama with her ex. Like I said before, if you are dying to know more information about anything that's going on in the pop culture universe, I take deep dive submissions every single week on my Instagram at Morgan P. Talks. Okay, to wrap up today's episode of the podcast, I'm doing cliff notes because there were multiple Bachelor in Paradise alum on podcasts this week. And my goodness, I tried to listen to it all, but altogether it's like three hours long. Ain't nobody got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. But I did find the key important parts to Ivan's uh, talk with Nick on the Vile Files. Piper went on Bachelor Happy Hour with Becca and the things you need to know I have for you. So I'm going to save you three hours of your life. Let's start with Piper um, because there's really only one thing that anyone cared to know at this stage and that's whether or not Piper and Brandon were still together. Confirmed, they are, which is surprising because the last we heard They weren't together. You know, Brendan unfollowed Piper. I feel like that is a sure sign of a breakup in the year 2021. You know, after the whole thing, the whole scandal just blew up everywhere. I feel like tension was really high. I had this conspiracy theory that they were pulling a Matt and Rachel where maybe they weren't necessarily broken up, but they kind of wanted to lay low, let the the spotlight kind of die off of them until Bachelor Nation had another villain to hate and then be like, oh, no, we're actually together. But she's like, no, we're we're together, but they are laying low. She said – that she understands why Brendan unfollowing her maybe caused some ruckus, but that they're just trying to be a little bit more private. You're joking, right? You're trying to be more private? You two are trying to be more private. Okay. Uh, Let's move on to Ivan. He spilled the tea on the vile files. Two things we wanted to know going into this podcast episode was – The situation with Alexa in the evacuation hotel and what his side of the story was in the whole Aaron-Chelsea situation. Because as you remember, whenever that episode was airing, he tweeted, whoever gets the first podcast interview is going to get some gold. First of all, rude that he didn't pick my podcast. I even emailed his people. Ew. Uh, But also, why even say that when you know that you're contractually obligated to go on one of the Bachelor-sponsored podcasts? Like, quit acting like anybody else had a chance and that this interview with Nick Vile was not already in the works, like, since you got cast on the show. But anyways, I'll save you an hour and 20 minutes because that's how long it was. And they did not start talking about this stuff until the final 30 minutes. I was pissed. Okay, let's start with the evacuation hotel. Annoyed with this tea because it was very anticlimactic. Pretty much what he said happened on the show is what happened in real life. He said before going on the show, he was interested in Alexa and somebody else that is just escaping me for the time being. But he thought that Alexa was going to come down at some point at Bachelor in Paradise. But by the time that they had got to the evacuation hotel, she hadn't come in yet. He said that he pretty much knew there were no prospects left for him. You know, Kendall had left. There wasn't really any romantic interest in anybody else. So... 
um, when they were evacuated, he said producers were coming in and out of his hotel room and he was rooming with Noah. So they were trying to pry with this producer that was in their room. He was like, guys, is anybody else coming? Is Alexa coming? He didn't say that they gave him any straight answers, but he did say that a producer willingly left the room and left the phone there. He said him and Noah kind of gave each other the eyes like, now's our chance, you know, like seventh graders on the playground. That's just kind of what I see, like them look at each other, the dramatic music. I don't know why I'm envisioning like a rom-com right now, but I am. And they both sprint up to the phone, pick it up, you know, very secretive. He said he didn't have to unlock anything. He didn't have to swipe. He didn't have to do anything. It was just up and open, but not like as a background. So the producer didn't close their phone. So that to me makes it feel like the producer kind of knew what they were doing. I don't know. I don't know. Is that classified as going through the phone? If you just literally lift up the screen and it's it's there staring you in the face? I don't know. But that's how he found out that Alexa was there, found out what room number she was in. She was close by. They went. They chatted for four hours. They kissed. Nothing else happened. And uh, a producer was next to Alexa's room. They overheard her. They also had a 5 a.m. wake-up call in case Ivan fell asleep and basically just blew the whole thing up. He said he didn't regret it because he was going home anyways and he wanted to meet Alexa. So the other big T, I guess you could say, is Ivan's take on the whole Chelsea-Aaron situation. Now this actually was interesting. So Ivan said that he started that day with a toast to the crew, not like the production crew, like, you know, the people that were there trying to find love, saying... You know, I don't think anybody is interested in me. I kind of see my time here coming to an end, but let's all have a good day. Dink. That's me cheersing the cheers glass. So after that is when Chelsea and Aaron went on the date. And Chelsea's friends started going up to Ivan saying, Ivan, Chelsea's interested in you. Specifically, he name-dropped Abigail, who he said um, was Chelsea's best friend, and Becca, who had also heard rumblings like, oh, no, Chelsea's interested. So when Chelsea got back from the date with Aaron, Ivan and Damar were at the bar. Chelsea walks up and says, Ivan, why haven't you and I chatted one-on-one? which Ivan was surprised by. So this is like double confirmation that Chelsea is now interested in Ivan. And Jamar was there as a witness. That's important in this uh, judicial trial that we're putting Ivan on if he's guilty or not guilty. So they went over to the daybed. We all saw that conversation and we saw them kiss. But what we didn't see is Chelsea say... I really want to know what it's like to kiss you or something like that. Ivan did say that she said something along those lines. I'm paraphrasing his words. And then they kissed. And this is a major point of clarification about the whole Ivan lying. Did he say that Chelsea pulled her or pulled him rather? He's like, no, I never said that. I said Chelsea wanted to talk to me. I have absolutely zero interest in going back and rewatching that episode and analyzing whether or not Ivan said Chelsea pulled me or that Chelsea wanted to talk to me. But I couldn't I can't see where that would get confused because Chelsea did say to Ivan, I want to talk to you. Is that the same thing as Chelsea pulling Ivan? Semantics. Like I said, I don't have the energy to be outraged by this. You would not believe the amount of like hateful comments I get in my posts uh, from Bachelor Nation being divided on on issues. I can only imagine 
how not so it is for the people that are actually on the show. I'm more outraged that that episode of The Vile Files was an hour and 20 minutes long, and they did not get into this until the final 30 minutes. I'm over it. So you guys are welcome. I'm doing my Christian service of giving you the cliff notes. And you know what? I, I'm i going to say Ivan Hall, not guilty. That's a hot take. All right, you guys, that's it. Thank you for joining me on another episode of Morgan's Pop Talks. Make sure you rate, review, and subscribe. It's important. That's how you show love in the year 2021. Hey, tell your friends about this podcast, too. If you love talking about Bravo, The Bachelor, The Kardashians, pop culture in general, tell your friends. Let's get this thing rolling. Let's make it pop off, if you will. Make sure you check out more podcasts by The Dip as well. That's The Dip with two Ps. You can also check out daily content on thedip.com. That's it, you guys. Episode four is in the books. Make sure you come back for the next one, okay? Here's to the great American settlers, the millions of you who settled for unsatisfying jobs because they pay the bills. Of course, there is something else you could do if you got something to say. Start a podcast with Spreaker from iHeart and unleash your creative freedom. Maybe even earn enough money to one day tell your old boss, hey, I'm no settler. I'm an explorer. Spreaker.com. S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R. Hustle on over today. At Progressive, we know there's nothing like the feeling of riding a motorcycle with your crew on the open road. That symphony of engines roaring in perfect harmony. It's a feeling that would be impossible to recreate on the radio. Until now. Hit it, Jerry. Oh, my word. Really, really terrible. Was that a glockenspiel, Jerry? Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Uh, no, no, Jerry. It's over.